This is the first episode of Aviate, and today we have Justin Gregory with Quadrillion AV Engineering and Drafting LLC uh, with us today. And maybe he can start off by introducing his title and basically what do you, what you do at Quadrillion. Yeah, sure. Um, I, you know, honestly, I don't even know what my title is anymore. Um, I guess I'm CEO, owner. I basically started up Quadrillion about five years ago, uh, was working for integration and um, started this company out of, out of sort of a, a need that I saw in the industry to have just straight up outsourced engineering and drafting services. So what I do is I run the company and also provide uh, AV design, engineering, drafting services for many companies throughout the country. Nice. So overall, the, the purpose of Aviate is to basically let everybody learn, including myself, how to be better at AV design. So we're going to run through a series of questions just about general AV design. We won't talk about specific companies or anything, but we will just focus on different uh, areas of AV design. And for me, one of the things I want to know is like, what do, you, what do you need to start a project when you want to start a design? What's the first thing that you think of that you need to know when you get started? Um, well, you know, that's interesting. I, I, I feel like we're in a unique spot with Quadrillion because we could be brought in at any phase of a design or a project, right? Uh, we could be at the phase where we're coming in and meeting with the client and learning what the functionality is of the system that they desire. We could be coming in after the job has been sold and then we're cleaning up things that might have been misconceptions about what the client needed versus what they actually, you know, sold them, uh, the, the integrator sold them. So um, I would say, you know, first and foremost, that that important factor there is is the functionality of the system. Like how how does the end user want it to work? What do they want it to do? Uh, ultimately, you know, what is the end result that they have envisioned? And, you know, honestly, sometimes the client doesn't really know what they want. And, um I, I think as a designer, that's part of the fun of it is um, is going through that process of of discovering what it is that we need the system to do. So I, I think that's first and foremost. Um, after that, I mean, as I mentioned, we can be brought in at any phase. So um, usually if the discussion has already happened, what do we want this to do? It's, it's a scope of work. It's a bill of materials. We can go off of like a, a bullet point list or probably even worse. I think I've seen a lot worse where just somebody has scribbled on a piece of paper. Like we want the system to do these five things. Um, so really, I think that's what it pretty much boils down to first and foremost. What does it do? And then if there's other details that can, you know, flesh, uh, flesh that out, then that's awesome too. That's pretty detailed. Yeah, and it definitely makes sense. So when you have opportunities like if it's not a new building if it's not like a new you know something that you're only looking at architectural plans for and it's a renovation of an existing space how important is it to actually walk the space to assess it versus just getting drawings or models of the space yeah i mean so i think i think that that can depend too like on you know your hands in the field sort of like so uh in other words we can we can design a system with 
pictures and room measurements and and you know like we don't really need that much to do it um especially with you know some of the smaller like kind of low-key systems like logitech and you know a lot of like uc-based systems that are smaller your wall can support a monitor and uh, you know you have enough width on the wall you're probably okay um but yeah i mean i think it, having some good documentation from the sales side um if if an integrator that we're working with has a salesperson that goes out meets with the client takes some pictures of the space as far as a retrofit um that's very helpful but again if you if you need a design we're not going to say we're not going to do it we're just going to caveat the things that we still need or we need to express like you know what you need to also verify that there's proper backing for this wall or that you know you can actually get cables from point a to point b so we're usually in a design stand from a design standpoint we're going to caveat those or write those into the scope of work or you know warn our clients that we're working with hey you should check out these you know critical things before you get out there on site definitely always run into issues here or there sometimes i've gotten like I modeled out spaces or had somebody else go out and take photos, but then we missed this critical area of, of the space. Like, a, uh, and there's something there like a cable tray that might be not movable. And then we missed that one. Yep. Yep. And then there's always the wonderful situation. We, we do some government work here and there where it's like, well, you can't take pictures because it's a government site. So here's my best attempt at sketching this out. And yeah, you know, things get missed, especially when you're trying to do things on paper. Um, but, you know, I, I think as long as you have a good communication with your install team, um, you can usually work those issues out um, without too much of a problem. Yeah, back in my AV programming days, there's a company that I did work with that didn't want even uh, didn't want us to take our laptop in. And so and and when we did take our laptop in and they wanted to wipe it when we left. Yep. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. So in terms of tools, software tools uh, for AV design, I, I'm, I'm always interested in exploring what software tools are out there and what everybody likes using and what, what everybody's preference is. So in, in, when you're designing a system, what what's the go-to software tools that you use? So, yeah, I mean, I honestly, a good old piece of paper and pen is usually my first step with anything. Um, I like to write out or draw out, you know, a basic you know, schematic of what devices are connecting. I'll be, I'll be doing that while I'm looking up products on Google or, or Crestron's website or Extron website, whatever. Um, and, you know, basically drawing the point A to point B and, and getting the flow mapped out. From there, I mean, I have a few tools that I'll do use for design, um, some, some by choice, some by, you know, mandate from our clients that we work with. We do use, uh, I think it's called Lucid Charts, uh, which is a very basic, like, probably intended more for like process flows and stuff, but we use, I use that personally for um, creating like basic signal flows that I can share with clients pretty easily. It, you know, you can make it, you know, look sort of flashy, which is nice. You know, sometimes if a, a project is more complicated, I might just start laying it out in CAD um, because we have a few, you know, we have CAD block library with, with devices and it's really easy to just kind of map those out and um, put them on a, um, on a model space. But, um, you know, some of our clients, they actually require that we use D-tools. 
So we'll actually go in and load up a whole bomb with parts that have pricing that probably isn't even accurate, but we still need to verify it. Um, but still, it, it gives us a it gives us sort of like a, a template to work from, or a a, a uh, really kind of like a sounding board of 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 working with each other too, um, like collaboration tool where it's like, you know, Hey, look at, look at my bomb that I just created. Can you double check that I have everything? Um, and we can pass that internally around. So, um, I, th I think those tools can all be very useful and have their own place in the design, um, in the design world. Yeah. And like some tools like D tools for me personally, I think they help me minimize my copy and paste error sometimes like when, especially when I'm, if I'm working with spreadsheets and then and copy yeah. and pasting stuff into spreadsheets, then tools like D tools, uh, helps minimize that for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's it's um it's pretty handy, you know. Um, you know, just having that that little icon on the left sometimes that that you know warns you because you don't have a margin or something. Um, having that as a backup is really cool. So, what part of designing a system is your favorite part of the experience? If you're designing a system, what what is the favorite part of that experience for you? I mean, it really, for me. So I'm I'm pretty people oriented. So I would say my favorite part is interacting with people and working, working with our other team members here at Quadrillion, or whether it's working with the clients that we, you know, deal with on a regular basis. Um, I think that whole collaborative effort um, that, you know, sometimes get, gets brought into, you know, the, the design aspect is, is really important for me. And um, it's really sort of helped to, you know, kindle the relationships that I have going right now. Um, so I would say that's the part that keeps me going, but, you know, there's also something to be said about, I love looking at a design um, that, you know, that maybe somebody else has done and um, picking it apart and saying, Oh no, actually this would probably work better. Or you missed a part. Like that's getting into the, the minute details is also kind of like one of my favorite things about um, AV in general is you know, there, there's always this gotcha, or at least, you know, there's a couple that um, maybe, you know, maybe not everybody has, has come across yet. So um, I, I think, uh, I think being in the know and learning how everything pieces together and, and uh, cr critiquing that from a uh, design standpoint is always a lot of fun. So, so uh, in terms of designs, I don't know if you're able to, uh, like, if there's a real answer for this, but what's the most common type of design like uh, that you see today? Like, is it a lot of AV over IP or is there some certain combination of DSPs with hardware or what's typically what's the most common design that you, you personally see? So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, we're in a unique position because we work with a lot of different integrators. Um, so we get, we do get a lot of variety, but I would say that, you know, probably 60% of the designs end up being for us, like the same system over and over, like a Logitech system and, and maybe, you know, Logitech tap uh, rally, rally bar, whatever it might be. And then you have like, you know, 20 rooms in, in one job that, that use all that same system, or maybe they start adding microphones. Um, from, from my standpoint, I get, I get stuck or not stuck, but like, I, I take on a lot of the like enterprise type clients where it is like the same thing over and over and over. Um, but, you know, it's always refreshing when, you know, you, you kind of design these systems and then like you get that bonus little piece of like, you know, 40, 
40 to 10% sometimes of like, there's, there's a custom system here, right? Like there's a system that needs like a Prestron control, or, you know, maybe we're working in a GSOC and we have a video wall. So, um, you know, th those things have all popped up here and there. Um, but I would say that, you know, for the most part, it is a lot of the, um, you know, sort of BYOD supply a computer and we'll supply the rest of the hardware uh, type of situations. In, in terms of the design itself, what's the most common error uh, that you might see in AV designs? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times it's gonna be things like, believe it or not, I still come across situations where like HDCP has not been considered. Um, maybe somebody's using a Mac and, you know, they're trying to DA it or something crazy like that. And yeah. Um, yeah, fortunately, a lot of hardware has come along that, that supports that and, and will get you past, but it is something that comes up from time to time that, and like no one, well, I won't say no one very rarely do people consider like, how does this device connect or how does my laptop connect at the table? So it's like those, those points of like this, somebody else's scope, like table boxes, right? Like an HDMI input or USB-C input at the table. Like it's always an afterthought. And then you're like, okay, well, shoot, I got to connect this thing here. And sometimes you even have like a USB and the more hops you add to the USB, the more problem, you know, more problems you have potentially on that line. So I think those, those situations that bring in a third party, whether it be, you know, the, the furniture manufacturer or maybe the customer themselves that have kind of been an afterthought, I would say that, you know, more or less it's situations where you, you see that line item on a, um, a, a bill of materials that, that somebody has already done that says like to be determined table box connection or to be determined device that does this. I think I saw one one time that was like to be determined video wall or something like that. And it was like, okay, well, we have a price for it, but you haven't really thought about what that is. So um, it's, it's those types of situations where things are generalized and, and they need to come to fruition that, that you, you sort of have to backtrack on the design and make sure everything pieces together. Well, yeah, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. Recently I was on a thing with a project where they did a TVD for like a, five USB or 10 USB inputs and like 10 USB outputs for and like what device actually works fits for that solution, especially with what they were doing, especially with USB-C and once you go into USB 3, like 3.1 and then like how do you deal with the transport of that and <laughs> it, it was interesting. Yeah. All right. So the next is uh, most common AV formula or calculation that you might see. Google. <laughs> yeah yeah definitely honestly yeah yeah i mean you know i, I think i think the the one that i see the most and it's kind of funny because i know avixa recently you know well not recently but like they have their discus formula right for for determining the display size that's appropriate for viewing distance or the viewing distance that's appropriate for the display size but I still go back to the old, you know, times six for, you know, this type of viewing and then times eight for this type of viewing times times four for, for viewing detail for the height of the image. Like I, I go back to that a lot. And you know, actually one of my clients is, you know, they have a whole standards put together for, you know, these systems where it's like, you use that formula. So, so I'm, I'm bouncing back to that one a lot. 
um, image height times six usually. Um, and, and, but you know, every now and then we'll, I'll get in a design situation where like, I got to run to the old, you know, speaker coverage, um, whether it's, um, edge to edge or, um, you know, uh, what was it center to center to center? Um, yeah, I'll probably, uh, go to that every now and then too, but yeah, it's, I guess the only other one would might be like uh, the wattage of the speakers times 1.5 is how much amplifier power you need. But uh, yeah, that, that one, I feel like that one's probably a little bit less now because um, you know, you got the QSC SPA 260, which if you do it 70 volts, you got 200 Watts anyway. So um, you're very rarely bumping up against that. So. I think even with the, the discus formula, I think if it's always a 16.9 display, it, it sort of reduces down, that formula reduces down to a, that, that 468 rule, that six, it sort of, yeah, it just hits that number. And yeah. So they're very close uh, with a 16.9 display. Yeah. Yep. What do you wish you knew when you, uh, wish you knew when you started AV design? I don't know. I mean, that, that's a really tough one. Um, honestly, it would be cool if, you know, technology would slow down a little bit. <laughs> I, I don't think, I think, I think that's, um, that's probably what I didn't realize is that things would be changing so fast, right? Like we were just talking about USB-C. Um, like how many iterations of USB have there been in my career? I mean, I think it's probably like six or seven now. Um, so, you know, just not being stuck in, oh, we're going to do it this way um, because of this technology. I think that's one thing that I could probably pull from that is things are going to be changing and you need to be like, you know, you like, you need to be in the know on what's the latest technology and what's coming up and how do things work uh, you know, compatibility wise. Um, so I, I, I would probably say that, but other than that, I don't know. I don't have any of those like, you know, butterfly effect moments too much when, you know, within AV where I'm like, I wish I would have known that uh, it's, it's, it's changing so much that, um, I just, I think I've learned to adapt. <laughs> so what do you think, uh, what do you wish everyone else would remember about AV design? Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I feel like that one's probably more on, I think, I think what I, I want everybody to know is that nobody is perfect and no design is perfect that, you know, we're all kind of coming into this, trying to produce the best products possible or the best results possible. Right. I, I get kind of fed up sometimes with the situation where it's like people start treating it like it is life and death. And yeah, you might work on a project that is life and death. Sure. Like, you know, a 300 pound speaker hanging over people's heads, or um, maybe you're working in a, um, uh, you know, some type of surgical uh, medical situation. But um, for the most part, I think having time to think about designs, having time to test them, bench test them in a, you know, in a warehouse at an AV company, rather than throwing them out into the field and building that rack on site. I, I wish that people knew to like slow down and plan for those milestones appropriately, especially right now. Cause I think, you know, people are in that mode of like, oh shoot, people are going back to the office. So let's hurry up and get all this stuff out. 
you know, it really does like when you follow a process of properly testing things, making sure all your code works and, and all that, and then going out to the field to install, I think that is critical. Um, and I wish that people would, you know, slow down, but it's not going to happen. I realize that. Yeah. So, uh, how do you review your design for errors? So I am a firm believer in peer review. Um, I love to have my team members look at my work and tell me how horrible it is or how good it is. Um, hopefully the latter, but, um, you know, having that second set of eyes, because sometimes you get, you know, like tunnel vision, right? Like you're looking at the same design for days upon days and, you know, there's something that you're going to overlook because you haven't really broken away or taken that time to chew on it. Really. When you bring in somebody else that has a fresh perspective, they can, you know, pinpoint those critical elements that you might've overlooked because you're like, Oh, I've looked at that 700 times. Um, you may not have looked at it 700 times. Maybe you looked at the things around it. So, yeah, I think, um, my, my methodology is definitely peer review. The other thing that I do, um, especially if I'm, if I'm producing like a full drawing package and a bill of materials is I will do, you know, kind of like a, a PDF or some type of, um, draw board or something like that, where, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm checking off things on the bomb, checking off things on the drawing and cross-referencing the two. I think having two various um, iterations of a design, whether it be, you know, drawings and a scope of work or drawings and a bill of materials and cross-referencing those two, two together or all three, it really helps sort of find those details that maybe you overlooked in, in one aspect of that design. That makes sense. What advice would you give to a new AV systems design engineer? You know, something that you could impart some wisdom to them. Um, I mean, honestly, it's it's seek out some mentors, uh, seek out some people that you can follow on LinkedIn or um, or whatever it might be. Um, people that offer good insight. I know, you know, I'm, I'm looking at um, things like um, AV and the AM. Um, and, you know, Chris Netto and, and, and things like that, where it's like, okay, maybe you get some insight from somebody else. You know, I have a lot of, um, you know, even, even on my team, I have people with, you know, lots of experience in the, in the industry for years and years. And, you know, having that perspective from somebody that's been in it for a long time is, is key. Um, because you don't, you don't, you might think, you know, a lot about something when you go into it, but you don't takes time and it takes experience and it takes, you know, uh, reaching out to others to gain from their experience as well. You know, I think, um, the other thing I would say is just, you know, have fun with it. You know, it's, it's something that, that if you truly enjoy it, um, you'll, you'll get a lot out of it. If, if you're just doing it kind of as a, a next step in your career, or, you know, maybe you want to try something new, you might not enjoy it as much. Um, I think, um, you know, it definitely takes a, a specific person, a specific mindset to be able to sit down and go through a bid review, for example, um, you know, like try to make, try to have fun with that sort of thing, even though it is very tedious and, and can be very boring, um, try to make the most of that experience and learn from it and have fun ultimately. Definitely done some bid reviews on my end. Yeah. Yeah. It can be rough. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your time. I appreciate your time to go through these questions and just help us and help me learn how to be a better AV designer.
I yeah, definitely have some insights. Like I definitely want to throw in uh, people into my drawing, more people, yeah. more size references. So that, that definitely caught my ear. Yeah, check out our website. We have plenty of scale figures you can use. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yes, I did see there were some interesting figures on your site. Yeah, so if you need Baby Yoda, you know what? You know where to go. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you.